Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on the, on, on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us out, um, get some more exposure, some feedback. Um, a lot to talk about today um, in, in regards to just current news going on with the Pacers. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm joined by Tom, as always. Tom, how are you doing? Not bad, Mark. How's it going? Good. I can't complain. And uh, we're fortunate to be joined by Mark Monteith today as well. Mark and I were about to record a podcast and then uh, the the news dropped today. So we are we're pivoting and, and running with it. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing great. And that's what makes the business interesting is that you never know from one minute to the next. What's going yeah. On. <laughs> and my, my first way that I learned about it was over the summer. I was doing something. So the first time I ever got to even talk about a game um, or it wasn't a game yet, I think it was during the seeding games. Um, we found out that Domas had plantar fasciitis and he wasn't going to be back. Um, so I had done an entire podcast already for 45 minutes talking about what the team would look like with Domas. And then that news dropped uh, five minutes after I'd finished recording, everything was getting ready to drop it. So I had to go back and re-record the whole thing. So yeah, learning about pivoting is uh, definitely part of the job. Um, yep. So this is significant, obviously. Uh, the Hayward talks had really ramped up in terms of him really wanting to go to the Pacers, apparently. Um, there had been, you know, obviously talks about him going elsewhere, staying in Boston, um, had opted out of his player option. Um, and now this is kind of just out of nowhere uh, to, to go play with the Charlotte Hornets on a massive deal, four for $120 million, um, which the Pacers would not have been able to afford uh, unless there was, you know, some more significant movement. A lot of the talk been around uh, Miles and potentially Doug McDermott, which that would not be uh, enough cap-wise to make that happen. Um, I guess I'd just ask right away, first off, what your reactions are to that. I'll, uh, I'll let you go first, Mark. Well, I think it's good for the Pacers. Uh, I don't think it would have been wise to pay anywhere close to that amount of money for Gordon yeah. Hayward, not to knock him, but you know, he's 30 years old, which kind of strikes me as strange. For some reason, in my mind, he seems younger than that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, six years older than Miles Turner. Um and he's coming off injuries. He was certainly a good player last year, and he'll be a good player in the future if he stays healthy. But uh, that's just too much. You know, uh, you would have had to have given up a couple of key players, and I would have been very skeptical of that. So I think um, I don't – you know, we don't know how serious the conversations were in, with the Pacers and Celtics on this. But personally, I think Pacer fans should be relieved that it did not happen. Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it seems in the end that that Boston was asking for a lot. For some reason, it sounded like from the reports, at least Gary Washburn from uh, one of the Boston reporters was mentioning, you know, Miles Turner and TJ Warner, Aaron Holiday. I mean, that's a lot. That's like you're dealing from some kind of leverage that they just didn't have, as, as it turns out here. Um but I think even even losing Doug and Miles together would have been a challenge. It would have pushed the Pacers in another direction. And I know we've all talked about the double big lineups and things like that. Definitely would have, it, it definitely would have pushed them in that direction, which I, I don't think would have been a horrible thing. But 
been hearing even even 25 million a year for Hayward for four years, you know, at, at the age, that would have been a little salty as well, I think, long term. So considering all those things, I, I definitely agree with Mark. I think they're better off loading up and, you know, they don't really know what they have since nobody was completely healthy altogether last year. Um, and now they got a new coach, and if he thinks he can make it work with Miles, and let's see if he can. If not, then they can pivot in another direction. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a really great point, Tom, and I, I think I agree as well. Especially if even paying the one hundred million, I was kind of you know yeah. I was I was thinking back and forth, and I thought you know I was talking to Rhett Bauer from eight points nine seconds, and I was like you know I think if it was four for ninety, I would still scratch my head. Like that's a lot to pay somebody when they're thirty four, and it's not a, a descending deal. Um, so, I mean, regardless, I agree too, Tom, like that would definitely push them in a new direction, probably even a, a better direction, at least for in the short term. Um, and I think even in the long term, it's a good deal, but regardless, um, the biggest thing that I come back on right away, uh, miles has just been dangled for, <laughs> for Gordon Hayward in this deal, um, for the better part of a couple of months now, just hearing that, you know, and hearing his name in trade talks. Um, obviously miles is someone who has had some struggles with his confidence on court a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I think this is, it just kind of leaves it in a little bit of a weird place, uh, with that. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that, that's kind of what I take away from it a little bit. I, you know, I, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he, his name has been out there, but we don't know how seriously the Pacers were in their conversations regarding miles and hopefully miles, now is mature enough to kind of know how this deal works and that your name is going to be put out there. Um, so it shouldn't affect him. Uh, this is the part where as a pro athlete, you just got to handle this kind of thing. Your name may come up in trade rumors. Uh, that doesn't mean the rumors were true. And even if there was a serious discussion involving you, you've got to put that aside and move on. Miles kind of gets a fresh start now with the new coaching staff. You should be looking forward to that. I think there are good reasons for optimism surrounding him, given the way he played in the finals or not the finals, the playoff. <laughs> if yeah. only. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Averaging 16 and 10, you know, when Sabonis was out against the heat, uh, I thought he came on pretty well last year toward the end of the shortened regular season and kind of found a niche. So uh, if the discussions involving him were serious, uh, he's just got to put that aside. Yeah. And also I, it, it's, I don't think it's a, the first time he's aware that he's been mentioned <laughs> uh, in trades either over the past couple of years. So um, be either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's going to be constant now. Any, any deal, it seems like we'll probably have his name in it, but um, you know, he's, it's funny. We think Gordon Hayward's uh, younger than he is. And it seems like miles is a lot older than he is, <laughs> but he's, he's getting into that sweet spot now. And, and, not only with, you know, his game maturing, but also himself maturing. So, you know, this is a, this is a time to, you know, for him to just, you know, buckle down, get in there and, and be a pro and, and go at it. And we'll see what, you know, he can only control his game. He can't control any of the other business things that are outside of, of uh, you know, that the organization may be doing or, or other things that are in his control. So, um I feel like he, he's in a good position now to at least move forward and, and you know, hopefully tap in the, and reach the top of his potential. Yeah, certainly. I, I think um, it also makes me think, you know, I, again, you're, you're, you guys are making great points, but 
Um, do you think the Pacers would even look at transitioning to potentially another deal in the offseason or just kind of staying the course and, and going ahead with what, what they have now? Obviously, Justin re-signed on a much lower deal than I was actually expecting him to sign. I thought it was going to end up being closer to the full MLE. Um, but, you know, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's something that I'm, I'm wondering as well, because obviously a lot of teams have been inquiring about Miles for a while, as we mentioned. Well, you know, the old uh, Mark Short Larry Bird said this a million times. They're always talking. <laughs> They're always taking calls. So, um, obviously, I think if something really in their favor came up, sure, they would, they would be looking for it. I don't know that they'd be actively hunting out people to trade, trade them at this point. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think uh, they are willing. It seems pretty apparent they're willing to kind of come back with the same team. Almost. And I'm okay with that personally. I know a lot of fans will be disappointed that they didn't make a big, bold move in the offseason and uh, some kind of a home run play or whatever. You could say that, well, you know, if you lost in the first round of the playoffs the last four years and you're coming back with the same team, but there's actually objectively a lot of arguments to be made for improvement from this team, you know, regardless yeah. of what happens between now and the beginning of the season. And it starts with the coaching change. You know, I thought Nate McMillan was a, a good coach and an outstanding human being, but his half-court offense was simply not up to par for the NBA. He needed an offensive coordinator on his bench, and he never did that. And this is basically, in my mind, what cost him his job. So you could look forward, I think, to a more sophisticated half-court offense, which will bring about improvement from the guys already on the team. And they should be better just because they're young. I mean, there's no reason that, you know, Miles Turner won't be a better player next year. He's 24 years old. You know, peak guy, peak age for most players, particularly big men, is late 20s. Uh, Sabonis should be better. He's working on his mid-range and three-point shot. If he can accomplish that, he's better. Oladipo, just by being healthy, would be better. If he can stay healthy, that's obviously his thing. E.J. Warren is young. He's in the improvement stage of his career. Brogdon. Same thing. You're talking about, you know, a starting five of young players who should be getting better for the next few years. Um, and then chemistry will be the third thing that can bring about improvement. You know, they only played what they only started five games together last year. This intended starting five only started five games. They won four. They lost the first one. They started together against Brooklyn, then won the next four. And then injuries cropped up again and they didn't play together again. Uh, so if they could stay healthy for an extended period of time and establish chemistry, uh, they could be a significantly better team. Not saying they're a title contender, but we certainly need to find out what they have with this group. And then you can start making personnel decisions based on, you know, whether you want to start moving some of these starters. So, uh, you know, the Pacers in their history have had times where it seemed like they were stuck. You know, some people, because they've lost in the first round, might think they're stuck right now in neutral. You can go back to the early 90s. They had four seasons in a row where they finished within two games of 500. And I could remember that, you know, that people were getting really frustrated. They got to, you know, trade Reggie, dude, whatever, fire Donnie Walsh, you know. But, you know, they made a coaching change, uh, bringing in Larry Brown, and things got better right away. Uh, and it was, that was a similarly young team that was going to get better and better anyway. So that coaching change got them over the top. And then, you know, the early 2000s, after that team went to the finals and got broken up, they had a couple of years under Isaiah Thomas, you know, where they were around 500. People were frustrated. 
frustrated. And then they, you know, Isaiah Thomas, people forget, coached in the All-Star game his third year. They were a significantly better team until the end of that year. Uh, and they had injuries and a lot of personal issues that got in the way. Um, and then a coaching change with Rick Carlisle, and they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So you could make a significant jump forward with health, sometimes a coaching change, a new system, a fresh start. And to me, that's where the Pacers are now. They need to find out if that's where they are now and see where this thing goes. Yeah. That's perfectly perfectly stated. Nice practical terms, as Mark always does, because as I mentioned before, yeah, but, you know, even a guy like Jeremy Lamb, who I, I thought was really effective last year and thrust into a starting role, even though he wasn't real consistent offensively, but if he's healthy enough, as it sounds like he's, he's going to be able to ease his way back in, a guy like that off the bench with these other guys, um, you know, there's talent there that hasn't played together and we haven't seen the full thing. So um, at, at least from a, a talent-wise standpoint, it's going to be – you're right, though, too, Mike. I think people are going to be really frustrated. It wasn't a big swing move made because um, it seems like when you look around a lot of teams – doing different things, making uh, changes. But even even Milwaukee's made some big changes, got some guys in there that are nice. But, you know, I don't know. DJ Augustin doesn't really mm-hmm. flip the balance of power. Hey, that's he's... Nick Killer, DJ Augustin to Utah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, so a lot of times yeah. guys just moving places isn't really altering the balance of power that much. Um, and, and like you say, when, again, when you're flipping three – you know, two, three, four key players in a rotation, they got to figure out if they're going to be able to play together. At least now the Pacers have that continuity uh, and hopefully some good health to uh, to build on. Yeah. Yeah. You always start health. You know, every team has to have good health to be yeah. really good. And I think the better GMs around the league are the ones who show patience and can withstand the temptation to make a bold move when it might appear they need to. Uh, There are certainly stages in a team's progression that you do need to make some bold moves, break it up or make a big trade or whatever. But the better GMs recognize when that is and when that isn't. And the Pacers, again, given the youth of the team, the fact these starters have not played together and the fact you have a new coach coming in, I just don't think this is the time to make a bold trade unless it's just a no-brainer. And one more thing... Mm-hmm. It, it, one more thing it, with the coaching change. It, it seems like from the reports at least that uh, Nate Bjorkman has gotten in contact and has started developing a pretty good relationship with his, his key players and and like everyone seems to be willing to start on a, on a, a fresh and same page with, with the coach here. So um, that too has got to be intriguing to Pritchard to kind of see if if they can just keep this group together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom, that's a great point. I think I uh, we, we talked about it a little bit with Caitlin on the last pod that we did, but that's something that I've been trying to keep in my head because I know initially when the reports from the Indy Star came out um, about everything with Victor, um, I know everyone was definitely taken aback by that. Um, and I, I understand that for sure. But I think it's also important to remember all that stuff happened before Nate Bjorkman and the coaching staff turnover. Um, so that's something I've been keeping in my mind as well and just trying to remember like, okay, that's that stuff is there. That's real. 
Um, but that's in the past. And I think the team is trying to move forward. Um, and obviously the fact that Victor has had contact with Nate Bjorken and it's from everything we've heard, it's going well. Um, so I think until anything else subsequent kind of comes out of that, you can't really, I mean, obviously you can read whatever you want to out of that. There, there's definitely stuff there, you know, it's not, not something that's just going to just going to blow over. Um, but I, I agree with what you're saying, Tom. I think it's, they're just going in a new direction. Um, so I think it's interesting too, because I'm looking at, obviously free agency is not over, but a lot of chips have fallen, especially in the East um, that have been uh, not, not good or bad for the Pacers. Just been, they, they have been happening. First of all, I have no idea what's happening in Detroit. Detroit is, we were talking about this <laughs> yesterday, Tom. Um, uh, my buddy, James Edwards, who covers the team up there for the athletic, I, I talked, he, he put out a really good article this morning um, about what, what they're trying to do. And it's confusing, but you know, there's a, there's a plan. You just can't see it yet. But um, that's how it feels with a lot of these teams. And especially like looking at a team like Atlanta, um, Atlanta looks like a team that's probably going to push for the playoffs next year. Uh, they signed Gallinari. Uh, as far as I know, Bogdan Bogdanovich, unless his offer sheet gets matched by the Kings, he's going through to the Hawks. Um, so they're making major pushes as well. I mean, Charlotte, Gordon Hayward's a nice player, but they're not going to be a playoff team next year unless LaMelo Ball is like the second coming of Jesus on the basketball court. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are teams making moves that it's going to impact where the Pacers are at. It's just hard to kind of, like you mentioned, it's hard to really know where the Pacers are at right now, uh, just kind of given the nature of, of how last season went, injuries, new coaching staff and all that. Yeah, I think like we were saying, they need to, we need to find out what they have. You know, we don't know what they have. This, right. You know, we went into the last season thinking they could be improved, could be good. And we never really found out because, you know, Oladipo misses uh, a major part, part of it. Brogdon's injured a lot. Other guys had injuries. And like we said earlier, the starting five barely started games together, just a handful. So we don't know what they have. Uh, certainly the potential is there uh, for improvement. Uh, I think it could be, you know, every one of those intended starters can get 25 or 30 on any given night. And it's, should be a good defensive team. You know, Brogdon and Oladipo is a good defensive backcourt. Turner is a shot blocker. T.J. Warren proved to be uh, a, a more than adequate defender. And, you know, Sabonis is going to struggle out on the perimeter, but he'll certainly be uh, physical around the basket and isn't going to hurt you that much. So uh, it could be a really good team, and it's not exactly over the hill either. So um, I think that's kind of the theme for right now is, you know, find out what they have. Who are they? We don't know yet. Yeah, as we were talking about earlier, Mike mentioned, you know, uh, NBA news pivots in a hurry. And that's, that's kind of the same thing with the, the Victor situation, as you were mentioning. Some of that stuff is in the past, but, you know, things can change in a hurry and, and situations can evolve and, and improve um, as well. And same thing with, with this team right now. I mean, the, the age of the overall age of the group, um, and the different pieces they have. I mean, it's something to see what happens, but also they can pivot if they need to. I mean, they have a variety of different pieces that they could go out at a different time and, and break things up if for some reason it's a disaster, you know, worst case scenario. So overall, and they, and they got guys with, on, you know, decent contracts that are movable, that type of thing. So, um, you know, they're in pretty good shape as, as they're heading into uh, into this quick start of this new season. Yeah, and I do think something will have to give eventually with this team because you now have four 
starters making what is 18 million or more. And you got yeah. TJ Warren, your leading scorer, coming up as a free agent in two seasons. So you're not going to have five starters making over $20 million. Yeah. No team in the league does that. The Lakers can't do it. Yeah. Certainly the Pacers are not going to be able to do it. So something will have to give. But that decision has to be made after this upcoming season, maybe during it, who knows, but certainly after this upcoming season when you really do know what you have and uh, how much you're willing to invest in this group. So, uh, but it'll be interesting finding out. You know, I'm looking forward to this next season just to see what they do have with a new coaching staff. And, you know, again, the key is keeping the group healthy for extended periods of time. But um, I think it's an intriguing group. And uh, I'm just really curious. I think, uh, you know, maybe next offseason, you'll be talking about uh, a major move needing to be made. But I just don't think that time is now. I do think the key to me for next season is Oladipo. You know, he, mm-hmm. one, he's got to be healthy. Number two, he's got to blend in. And that's always been the case for him. He's got to blend in to this group. I, I hammer this stat all the time. But when he takes 15 or fewer shots, they're damn near unbeatable. I mean, incredible. A couple of years ago, the record was something like 21 and three when he did that. And the losses were off. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he takes more than 20 shots, they have a horrible record with this particular group and the balance and scoring ability that the other starters have. He needs to curtail his offense, curtail his ego and blend in, be a defender and a rebounder and all that other stuff that he can do. Uh, and that's what will make them either a really good team or just another team that loses in the first round. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think, you know, especially looking at when when you're talking about that team from 17, 18, he, his, his amount of shots per game wasn't even that high. It was just he was finishing the game. And I think that was the biggest thing. He was willing to kind of curtail, like you're mentioning. Um, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, or I guess apprehensive is the wrong word. I'm just objectively looking at it. I'm not really sure how it's going to go. The beginning of next season is intriguing to me uh, because I think a lot of things have been brought up about this team having continuity and while they do have continuity in their roster, obviously it's going to be a completely new system on both sides of the ball. Um, and obviously still working Victor back in. So I think that it, I, I kind of hedge a little bit on the idea of there really being that much continuity for the team going into next season. Um, because obviously there are other teams that have, have turnover as well, but I, I don't really think that you can go in just thinking, okay, well, this team is, of course they're building off of last year, but it's going to be completely different than if they were coming back in with same coaching staff, same roster. Yeah, I would say you could, yeah, that's true. I think you can expect a slow start. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Look at the Pacer history when there has been a coaching change. Larry Brown's first team started one and six. Larry Bird's first team started two and five. It's just kind of common sense when you're breaking in a new system. And again, the fact that these starters, the guys we think will be the starters, have not really played together that much, it only follows logically that they would get off to a slow start. Yeah, and, and and I guess the only part of the continuity is these guys know each other's games. So, um, and you assume Bjorkman's going to be, you know, whatever his innovations are with with the offense compared to what they have been doing, he's going to be trying to accentuate uh, the strengths of their games, and at least all the players kind of know what what these guys can do and can't do. So. Um, it, it'll make a little more sense a little sooner, you would hope. But yeah, they're, yeah, they're definitely going to be some some growing ba- growing pains out of the gate. Certainly. Well, um, 
honestly, I think that's about all we have to cover on on this as, as far as that goes. Uh, do you guys have any kind of extra thoughts or, or things you want to get out there before we close out? Tom? No, just Pacers are who we thought they were. Same team. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, fans are always disappointed when there haven't been moves. thing I've noticed over the years, my memory, I could be wrong, but my memory is that there was a time, you know, a few decades ago when fans didn't really like moves. They, they, you know, they grew attached to players and felt sad when somebody got traded away. But now I think these days people want moves, you know, they want movement, they want trades. They don't care about a guy's feelings or anything like that. There will be fans who are disappointed that there wasn't a major trade or that there won't be a new starter next year, that kind of thing. Uh, But I don't think they should feel that way for the reasons we've already discussed. And uh, I think, you know, you're going to see, a lot of newness next season from the coaching staff, certainly introducing a new system. And again, uh, it's a new team. If the starters are healthy, you know, we didn't see that team very often last year. So it'll be a new team if the intended starters happen to be healthy at the beginning of the year. So if you're looking for a change, you're going to get it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You bring up a really great point about that. Um, just in, uh, sometimes I try and just be passive in, uh, in, in, like kind of observing how fans are talking about the team just so I can get an idea of, of what people think. I'm so used to seeing people, you know, trade miles, trade miles, trade miles. They're like, you know, miles did this miles did that. It was bad. Um, and all over this, this last couple of days, I'm seeing, Oh, well, we don't want Hayward. We, we can't trade miles. He's the, the defense is going to fall apart with them. And it's just funny how people flip flop on that. Um, so it, it is kind of funny looking at it in terms of that. Um, I also think too, in terms of making a move, like you're mentioning, um, there really wasn't a move for this team to make. You know, I, I think I have a better understanding of the salary cap than I think the general person, because that's something I focus on a lot, but there just is not a lot of wiggle room right now outside of the trades that could have happened that, that the Pacers could have done. And it, it was funny because Tom, you and I talked about this with Caitlin as well. I mean, well, I actually know I talked about with Caitlin, you know, what would be a disappointing offseason would be if the Pacers weren't involved in talking about Drew Holiday and Gordon Hayward. And they were involved, and the price point was way too much for them to oh, yeah. try and walk away with either of those guys. So I think to come away disappointed would be kind of wrong, in my opinion. Like, I, I get wanting moves and trades, but I think the fact that they were able to bring back Justin Holiday on less than the full MLE is a win and this team, like we've mentioned, just in closing, um, kind of the whole theme, we don't really know what they are. So we're going to find out. Um, they've shown flashes of being a top four team. They've shown flashes of being a bottom four team. So uh, we're, we're going to find out. Um, to everyone listening, of course, be sure to go follow Mark on, on everything he does on Twitter. Follow his website, markmonteith.com. A lot of fantastic information uh, and historical stuff and analysis there that I always enjoy going through. Um, of course, read us over Indy Cornrows. And last but not least, just have a good rest of your day. And uh, hopefully Indiana does something. They're down 35 to 14 right now, but <laughs> not sounding promising. Uh, not going to be an undefeated season most likely, but uh, holding out hope. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs>